All right. Well, hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Path Podcast. Uh, I am Jason. I'm Derek. And we are glad that you have decided to join us this week. Uh, today, we're going to begin, as we talked about last week, our transition uh, into um, sort of a different phase of the Path Podcast, if you will. Um, but today, we're going to be looking at John 21. So we will end up our time in John today. Uh, and then uh, here in a little bit, uh, at the end of our podcast, we'll talk about where we're going to be heading from there. Um, but um, we hope that everyone is doing well <laughs> during this time of uh, things being completely different for us. Um, I'll be honest, um, it's wearing on me. I'm ready to see people again, <laughs> ready to be face-to-face -face with people again. Um, uh, I don't know, Derek, if you had anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I miss getting to see church folks, uh, getting to uh, see family members, uh, except for on a screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, even getting to see our staff more often. Uh, we we are doing work from home stuff uh, where we have two people in the office at any given time, but we're trying to keep limit any of our exposure to any kind of thing, just in case one of us was you know, heaven forbid, contagious or whatever, and we didn't know it. That way we wouldn't all be in the hospital at the same time or dealing yeah. with symptoms at home at the same time. So we're we're still working just from home. So you can see uh, I'm in my bedroom, Jason's in mm -hmm. uh, Kim's sewing room, <laughs> That's right. hangout room there. And so um, we, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not an appropriate alternative. It is for right now, but long term, there's no way. You know, I would not want to do this. <laughs> so, no. uh, hurry up, COVID nineteen, and be done okay. so that we can uh, get out in public again. So. <laughs> yeah, seriously, man. Yeah, I uh, I would not do well having to do this for really long term. No, um, no, no. Yeah, um, but I think it's actually really a good transition into where we're talking about today uh, in John 21. So I'm going to read it for us, uh, and then we'll discuss here in just a few minutes. So I'm going to read all of John chapter 21, uh, beginning in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus called to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish was so large. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from land, about a hundred yards. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, 
full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so would the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus came to Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. After saying this to him, he said, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had been reclining at the table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say that he was not going to die. But if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would have to be written. All right, so um, we have made our way to the end of the path, if you will, uh, that we've been following with Jesus with. Uh, and now we, we really sort of find ourselves at this intersection uh, where um, our path really begins now. And so, Derek, talk for a few minutes before we dig into the chapter. Let's talk about sort of where we've been and where we're at right now. Sure, yeah. So we, uh, <clears throat> we've been in the book of John since March of 2019. Um, and so, you know, I, it's, it's been a long road, obviously. We, of course, we, we did uh, a vision series in the midst of that. We did uh, several other series kind of to break that up a little bit. But uh, I've enjoyed being in the book of John. Uh, you know, I've learned so much. I think John is just a really important book uh, for, for Christians to look, look at and go through. You have John's unique um, experience there. And, and so, you know, I've really enjoyed that. And then we've specifically been a, in the PATH series for 12, 13 weeks and leading up to last Sunday, uh, Resurrection. Uh, Sunday uh, Easter. Um, <clears throat> we've looked at how Jesus's uh, path affects our path, his path to the cross, and how it affects ours. And ultimately, that's kind of like where we're at now. Is like, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus is uh, Jesus, the resurrected Lord, has intersected our path where we, whether we want to 
acknowledge that or not. Um, he, he stands ready to intersect our path. Uh, and we, in turn, have to decide, have to make a conscious decision of how that will look in the, in the future. Um, and really, it's, you know, it comes down to, you know, how will Jesus's life affect my life it's not uh it's not a destination we are trying to get to it's really a journey the path yeah. uh that we uh that we abide with jesus along uh is a journey now we're on that journey with jesus and so that journey with jesus that means we're walking on his path mm. no longer on our path that that's kind of the the crossroads we're at do I continue down my own path or do I walk down Jesus's path with him, with him, by him and for him? Um, and so, you know, really it comes down to, am I going to be obedient to his desires, to his will, to his way, to his path? Am I going to walk with him? Or am I going to walk on my own and be obedient to my own thoughts and ways and desires? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that we've seen um, the, the, the point that we came to last week with um, Easter is that um, we're now at a point where we have to make a decision. We, we have seen Jesus' path. We've seen what he did up to this point, what he's done for us. Um, and what he now wants to do in us. Uh, and so we're at a point where we have to make a decision. Uh, are we going to be obedient and continue on and do what he has called us to do? Or are we going to be disobedient and try to follow our own path? Um, and I, I think we have here in John 21, this really beautiful picture of, uh, of the call to obedience. Uh, and we see that in the life of Peter, uh, because if you remember just, a couple chapters before, Peter was disobedient. Um, he had denied Jesus to his face um, and denied the fact that he even knew him in his really his time of greatest need. Uh, and so now we see Jesus restoring Peter. And I think this is a really, um, a really important thing that we should discuss for a few minutes of uh, this, this process of restoration that Peter goes through with Jesus. So could you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, and I would say I, I, I do think obedience uh, follows the restorative process for, mm -hmm. you know, other people. Uh, so, you know, as we join Jesus on his journey, as we, our lives intersect with the risen Savior, mm -hmm. it is because he's risen, it's because he is alive, that he can set our path straight, set our lives straight, set us uh in 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 a in a uh, forward motion yeah one of the things i said on easter sunday uh you know it doesn't matter where your path has brought you to before you've intersected with christ um so you know you may think you know well you don't know the things that i've done the things i've said uh the things that i uh, the people i've hurt uh the you know, the sin that's characterized my life before. No, I don't, but I do know mine. Um, 
and I know that I, you know, I have done nothing to earn my right to be in God's presence. You know, mm. and Peter would know that as well. Peter would know that so clearly. Yeah. He knew that he had squandered it. He knew that he had he had wrecked it. it you know, my my guess is that he came to the Lord timidly, and you know, um, of course. Peter never really did anything like that, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> humbly maybe realizing, you know, what you said, you know, you said that I would deny you three times. You were right. I did. I, I thought I yeah. never would do that, but I did. Um, well, I think you see it too, just in his actions. Like, yeah, Jesus had told them what to go do. And at mm -hmm. the end, and just, just prior to this in, uh, in chapter 20, it says, you know, he told them, peace be with you, receive the Holy spirit, go do this thing. And, Peter's like, you know what? I'm going fishing, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, which which really symbolizes him uh, kind of taking a step back to his prior life. I mean, if you right. look yeah. at yeah. John, you know, if you look at uh, any of the Gospels, when, when Peter and James and Andrew and John were were called to uh, to follow Jesus, they were fishermen. Uh, that was their trade they you know they worked with their their father and, and yeah. uh, they they left their livelihood to follow jesus and so it's kind of like you're right i mean it's kind of like well i don't know what else to do but i know i can go make some money fishing so i'm going to go do that you know i'm going to yeah. go back to what i knew before jesus i'm going to go back to my life before jesus yeah and then jesus comes and says no nah, we got we got more to do man you got I got to restore you, um, yeah. and then I've got to send you off. So I, I do think, you know, I'm not sure that it's prescriptive that restoration always precedes obedience. You know, I don't know that you could say that from this text, but I do think there's something to the fact that Jesus took time to walk through Peter through a, a process of restoration mm. Yeah. that I think was healing to him, and it's what you and I need to understand. I think it's really it's really just a picture of the resurrected Lord and how he intersects anyone's life and says, hey, look, I don't care where you've come from, but I do care where you go next. Yeah. You know? And so he's, he's, effect, you know, he's, in effect, wiping away the old but setting a new path for us. And I think that's clear here in this restoration um so jesus is is he's already cooked some fish and some and some bread there on the the uh the beach and they bring their 153 fish right and he says hey bring some of your fish over we'll cook it as well um which there are huge theological implications here this is not really the point of this message or this this uh but you know just the fact that jesus was there in his resurrected body eating fish and bread with them you know that yes he did kind of help us to see what our resurrected bodies might be like our glory you know uh glorified bodies might be like yeah. um yeah, and i think too it, is there not is there not also some truth to the fact that um in this scene here that jesus really does away with that whole oh you don't know you, you don't understand how bad i've been or you don't understand what i've done that i can't be restored because I don't think it gets, I don't think we can make the argument that it gets much worse than denying and cursing the name of Jesus to his face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yet, Literally. and yet Jesus restores it. 
literally cursing them. Yeah, literally. I mean, Jesus is just, in fact, the Bible says that Jesus turns and looks at Peter when he he curses him, when he says, I don't know the man uh, with whatever explicative that. Yeah. uh, And Jesus turns and looks at him and and Peter (laughs) catches his eye and hears the rooster grow all at once. It's like, oh, no, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, if if you can come back from that moment, you can come yeah. back from any moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so here's Jesus. He's welcoming them to dine with them, to sup with them, to eat with them. Mm-hmm. And then he hones in. Every, it's almost like everybody else uh, isn't even there, and he hones in on Peter. Because yeah. Peter had the, the most grievous sin. All the disciples, except for John, abandoned Jesus at the cross. They scattered yeah. Yeah. Um, but Peter had the greatest uh, fall, if you will. I yeah. mean, you know, in our, in, at least in our terminology or whatever. So Jesus takes time. So G, uh, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus gives Peter three opportunities to express his love to him. Uh, mm-hmm. So much that Peter's like frustrated. Lord, you know, you know that I love you. Uh, but I think. I think I think the three times is significant, yeah. Because I think it, it's a full restorative process. It's not, uh, hey, you know, are you sorry? You know, it's like, um, <laughs> right? You know, it's like us with our children. You know, um, go tell your brother that you're sorry. I'm sorry, and it's like that's not real. You know, that's not the exchange yeah. Jesus had with Peter. It's very much like, Peter, you messed up, but it's okay. Do you love me? Yeah. Yes, Lord, I love you. Then Jesus gives him, you know, hey, feed my sheep. Uh, I want you to be a shepherd. I want you to teach. I want you to lead. I want you to guide. I want you to be a leader. So not only is Peter being restored, but Peter's being restored to a to a, to a higher level, if you will. Yeah. You know, to yeah. feed sheep, to care for sheep, to be a shepherd, to be a leader, to be a guide. Jesus is restoring him fully and um you know i'm sure you have something else to say about this i think the last thing i will say about this restorative process is just that jesus can fully bring you back from wherever wherever you've gone whatever your Mm -hmm. path is like before that as long as you have breath in your lungs there is uh restoration available to you yeah um but what I would say is that um, Jesus's restoration of Peter is significant, uh, significant enough for John to to pin this down. Yeah. Uh, for us to see, and I think it's a benefit to us to see how far the love of Christ goes, how far His uh, making things right goes, how far He wants to. Um, address us personally individually and help us to be restored unto him and so my 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 cry for anyone listening my my heart's cry for anyone listening is hey it doesn't matter what you've done how far you've gone um there is restoration available to you in jesus um and i think we we we, we've got to We've got to go to the the beach side mm. table 
you know, or whatever, and, and, and approach the Lord humbly, but to say, Jesus, I've messed up, but I know restoration is available in you. So you may want to say something else about restoration. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think that we get um, we get an incredible picture here of the power of the resurrection, um, and it's really really the first it's really the first example of what the power of the resurrection can do. Uh, in that, because of what Jesus did at the cross, and because He has risen victorious over the death and over death and the grave, we can see that Jesus is able to restore; that He has the mm-hmm. power. To, to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. And, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an incredible thing that should propel us forward on our path. That, that if, if God, if we're really going to be sold out to what Christ has called us to, he is powerful enough to sustain us on the path, whatever that path may lead to. Um, right. Because like, you know, you said there in, in, uh, in verses 18 and 19, Jesus says to Peter, you know, I say to you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you walked where you wanted to, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another person will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Now, I don't think, I don't know that Peter signed up originally for, hey, I'm going to leave my life of fishing and I'm going to go die for someone. Um, And yet, because of the power of the resurrection, Peter would ultimately become a martyr uh, for the sake of the gospel. Um, and and I don't think we need to I don't think we need to over spiritualize our lives or to to over dramatize our lives that we're all going to end up being martyred for our faith because I don't that history would not prove that to be true. Um, but I think that. Um, we get this incredible image of how the resurrection affects our paths in that whatever we've been through in our lives, however sinful we may or may not have been, the resurrection overcomes all of that. Whether, whether you are sinful in your willful acts of disobedience or whether you are sinful in your incredibly self-righteous attitude, the resurrection overcomes all of that, and Jesus restores us back to a point where we can choose to continue on in obedience and follow the path that he sets before us, or we can choose to willfully disobey uh, and go in a different direction. Well, we just we see how deep Jesus' resu- uh, um, restoration of us can go. Yeah, He restored yeah. Peter from a hot mouth. Um, um, you know, kind of fly by the seat of your pants, kind of uh, do whatever seems right in the moment kind of guy to, um, you know, someone who who systematically shared Christ uh, with Jew and Gentile alike yeah. and ultimately saw his life end uh, because he was willing to give it all, you know. Right. Uh, it shows, the, it does show the power of the resurrection, but it also shows the validity of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's there's nothing that we've read prior to now that would indicate that Peter would be the kind of guy that would die for something he didn't fully believe in. Right. And and it shows that the resurrection was true. He had really seen the Lord. I love that John emphasizes that here. He says, look, this is the third time Jesus came and saw us. And we, yeah. we tell you this because it's real. Like, I saw it. 
with my own eyes, you know. Yeah. Jesus was alive. Jesus did raise from the dead. And Jesus' resurrection, uh, resurrection is, uh, it's changed everything for us. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. All right. So um, as we sort of begin to draw our time to a close here, um, our next step that we are going to is the book of Jonah. Now, I know that we talked about fish in John chapter 21, but how, how does John 21 and what Peter does here connect to Jonah? Help, help us make that, that transition. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, let's be honest, it may be kind of a jump. I do think there's a connection with the, the imagery uh, of the, the, the seaside. You know, uh, Jonah was spit up on, on a shore uh, as well. Um, you know, I think there's something about that, but, but that has nothing to do with why we decided to do that. It really has everything to do with obedience. Yeah. You know, our, our thought in, in kind of deciding, Hey, what's the next step after the path? Where do we need to go? Number one, we wanted to do something in the old Testament. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, one of the things that I have, uh, to my, uh, to a fault to some extent is I, i been more comfortable staying in New Testament uh, scripture. Uh, for one, it's easier to um, it's easier to do. I'm going to use a big theological word, and I'll explain it. It's easier to do hermeneutics mm. from the New Testament because in um, hermeneutics is just the study of scripture, how to grasp God's word. So you take um, you take scripture from where it began when it was written. So you look at it in their town and then you realize, Hey, what's all the differences. So what are the language differences? What's the, what's the river of, what's the spans of, of distance between where they were and where we are. And so that's like language culture. But if you're in the old Testament, you have to do old covenant. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the new Testament, you have to just, you're in the new co- new covenant. You're already in the covenant you're already in. So you don't have to do that extra work of hermeneutics there to, to build a bridge to cross into our town and understand God's word for us today. Nothing yeah. changes on this bridge. The theological principle is the thing that gets us across it. It never changes. But, you know, there are cultural differences, language barriers, and then if you're in the Old Testament, Old Testament, um, you're Old Covenant, uh, yeah. the Mosaic Covenant, not the New Covenant. Jesus says, "I this is the New Covenant I give to you by my blood. So uh, you have to think about all that. But I love the Old Testament, and uh, we are not simply a New Testament church. We can benefit from the Old Testament. We just got to do more work to build a bridge to cross it. Yeah. And so I wanted to do something out of the Old Testament um, because I think that's important for us to have a balanced approach of looking at yeah. God's word. I mean, we we want to hear from the whole counsel of God. Um, and so, um, you know, we thought, hey, what connects to John, um, particularly John chapter 21, but really the whole thing? What can that, what's the next step? And we thought obedience, and and there's no better picture, uh, I don't I don't think in the Old Testament, of 
how to see the right way to do obedience and the right the wrong way. But yeah, what does obedience look like? What what does disobedience look like? And first of all, with with uh, Jonah, we'll look at disobedience. But um, you know, uh, so the next series is called Arise and Go. Uh, this uh, message is kind of a transition message from um, the path to this new series. It'll be the the first message of the new series but it, it really serves as a transition from uh peter and his obedience um at the end at the john chapter 21 to jonah and his disobedience and which eventually leads to uh his obedience so we're looking it's just called a rise and go lessons in obedience and so yeah. that's kind of how we're making that jump yeah absolutely I I like that. I I um I can't tell you how much it excites me to know that. Um, who would have thought that when we started this day that we'd be talking about covenant theology? But that man, that just like gets my blood pumping. That's uh, what that's what makes me excited about it as a follower of Christ and a student of Scripture. But I hope we can uh, touch some more on that in the weeks ahead. Um, but yeah, so now this is where we kind of turn it over to you. Um, you we you've followed with us on this journey down the path that. Uh, Jesus walked down, and we see now that our study of his path is, it, it is imperative that it affects our path. Uh, and so we have to figure out how, to, how do we, how do we um, make those things line up. Uh, and we'll see that in the weeks ahead, but I, we'd love to hear from you. How has this study of the path that Jesus was on affected your spiritual path that you're on? Uh, we'd love to know from you. You can comment on Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, you can email us at the path at lafayettefirst.life. We would encourage you to take advantage of those uh, avenues to interact with us. Uh, but we would love to continue the conversation uh, and keep going. But until next time, I am Jason. I'm Derek. And uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the Path Podcast. And we will see you next time.